Well, hello, everybody. How's it going? Good. Well, I am, I'm going to get settled. I'm moving in casually right now, so don't worry about me. But, well, I'm really glad that you're here tonight. I'm pumped to have you here. I'm excited to be with you all. For those of you who don't know me, we just did a little introduction, but my name is Bridget Hedinger, and I'm one of the campus directors, the team leaders for the Ball State Crew staff team. And so you're going to hear from my co-leader, Corey, next week, and you're going to hear from various crew staff and student leaders as the years go on. And so if you're wondering, crew doesn't have, like, a pastor. We're not a church. And so we... Um, are designed really to be an arm of the church that comes and brings the message of Jesus to everyone on campus. And so we want to really emphasize, even especially in this first weekly meeting, is that we don't want to replace your involvement in a church. We want you to get connected into a local church. And so please get involved with a church while you're here. And you may be tempted to not do that, especially if it's kind of hard to find one. Or if you're like me, I just loved my home church so much that I like didn't think anything could possibly even come close to it. And so you may be tempted just to like listen to a podcast and stay at home, but I'll encourage you, you, that won't replace being within a community in a church. So go and be involved in a church in town. And in case you're worried, you don't actually have to be a Christian to be involved with crew. We wanna be a safe place for anyone who is exploring their faith and their spiritual life to learn about what it means to follow Jesus. And so if you're not a Christian and you're here, welcome. We want you here, and we're glad that you're here. And I would encourage you, come back to our weekly meetings. Get involved in our small groups. Get involved with our retreats and conferences and parties. Uh, we just want to be on the spiritual journey with you. And so, um, oh, I want to point out, there is a white piece of paper I put underneath your chairs. I need you to grab that, but don't open it. Just hold it on your lap, and whatever you do, don't look at it, okay? So keep it folded and just keep it in your lap for a while. Don't open it. All right, we all good? Well, I'm curious, are there any freshmen here today? Could I get a little raise of hands? Welcome, freshmen! Now, upperclassmen, I'm also glad you're here, but freshmen, welcome for your first crew. We're really glad you're here. We're really glad. Well, I would like to introduce you all to freshman Bridget. Is she up there? There she is. Isn't she cute? She's got a fresh haircut. She bought a few cool new outfits. She uh, has some cloud sheets on those bunk beds behind, if you can see that. She's living in Brayton this year, La Follette. Any La Follette people out there? Boy, it was bad when I lived there, so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> But you know what? Great community. It's all about the community, and La Follette has that. They may not have a lot else, but they have great people. <laughs> Bless it. It'll be gone soon, and I'll miss it. <laughs> well, this picture, you may be wondering, it might seem a little blurry, but this was taken on my brand-new webcam from my brand-new desktop computer that was my very own. I think it's at least two megapixels. At this point, technology has evolved a little since I was a freshman. Now, Bridget likes Tuesdays and Thursdays. She'll walk to, through the atrium to her history class in Teachers College, and there she'll have 
the breakfast of champions, some brown sugar Pop-Tarts and an orange soda. So she's really living the freshman dream. Um, so I don't recommend that, by the way. Uh, but she's ready for college. But you know what? She also has some fears and some doubts. I mean, I can remember, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but I remember the minute that my parents actually dropped me off and like left the room and they were gone. And I was like, I am here at college all by myself. And the panic kind of set in, the little anxiety of, you know, would I find friends? Would I find a place where I belong? Would I continue to be a Christian or would I get wrapped up into other things and lose my faith? And maybe some of you have had those same questions. Maybe you're struggling to figure out who you are here because in high school, you had your group, you had your place, you, people knew you, but now you have to start from scratch and no one has any context for who you are. And for some of you, you're really grateful that no one has context for who you are because maybe you didn't like who people thought you were in high school and you get a fresh start here and you're excited about that. Well, maybe you've had some of these questions. Maybe you're looking for a fresh start. Maybe you're experiencing anxiety or whatever it is. No matter where you are, my guess is that we're all kind of looking for the same things. Free t-shirts. So everybody, uh, this is where I wanted to do like an Oprah moment and I'd be like, bring out the free t-shirts. And I'd get a t-shirt cannon and I would shoot you all a free t-shirt. We would sit here for 50 minutes until each and every one of you was shot a cannon t-shirt. But we are not going to do that. I have no free t-shirts. Maybe it'll be next week. You never know. It won't be, probably. Um, <laughs> no, I think we're all looking for the same things. We're all, we probably, it's, there's some deeper things that we're also looking for. Uh, we want to belong. We want to be fully loved and fully known. And we want our lives to matter. Have you ever stopped to ask, why is it that we all want those things? Why is it that these are our basic desires? I believe it's because we were created to find all those things in a relationship with the God that we were created by and for. That we were created in this image of a triune God, a God who exists in three persons, Father, Spirit, and Son. That we were created to be in a relationship with him where we would find all those things. But if that's true, why do we feel so lonely? Why do we experience hurt and anxiety and frustration? Why is there so much pain? Why do I feel this worthlessness? Why do I feel unloved? And I think it's because of the world that we live in, in our hearts. They have all been broken and messed up by sin. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into uh, the rest of the talk tonight. So... Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. God, I thank you for each person that you've brought here. And Lord, I don't know where they're coming from, but I know that you've brought them here. And I pray that you would open up our, our eyes and our hearts and our ears to hear and receive the truth that you have for us tonight. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, the Bible does a really good job of explaining why the world is the way it is. And it provides hope that we can be restored and the world can be restored to the way things were supposed to be. And before I talk about the Bible, I want you to know that I believe the Bible was written by the Holy Spirit of God through men over the course of hundreds of years and that God for some reason chose this book to tell us who he is and what he's like. I believe it's what's true and it's the best explanation uh, for why the world is the way that it is. 
And so I want to give you a kind of a cliff notes version of the Bible to kind of explain what I think happened to the world, why there's brokenness, why there's pain, why we feel the things we do. And so we'll start in the beginning. Genesis is the first book. Again, cliff notes, so you can read this on your own later. But basically, in the beginning, there's God, and he decides to create everything, and it's good. And then on the sixth day, he creates male and female in his image, and he says it's very good. And he puts them in this garden, Eden, and it says there that they are able to live and have this close, intimate relationship with the God of the universe. In fact, the Bible says that the man and woman were naked and not ashamed, and so you know it was perfect because there is no body image, am I right? No body image issues there in, in this perfect garden. Amen. And so we can, we can give an amen there. Uh, so, like, any good, per, like, any good relationships, like, I think about when I have new roommates move into my house, we kind of set up a reality of how we're going to live so that we can love and respect one another well. And so we come up with some roommate norms. I don't know if you guys had to sign, like, a roommate contract in your dorms that you have to do that. Some of you took it as a joke, but what's, <laughs> but it's not, because it's actually really smart, because we need to make, there has to be parameters for relationships. And so God makes a uh, he says, you know what, Adam, Eve, I want you to enjoy everything here. You can have all the food. You can, like, name all the animals. You can work. It's all yours, and I want you to enjoy it with me. Only one thing that I don't want you to do, and that's to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which seems like a fairly good deal. Just don't eat from one tree, but you can eat from everything else. But I think we know what happens next. They, the serpent comes and deceives Eve, makes her question who God is, and she ends up eating this fruit. She ends up disobeying God, believing that, uh, choosing to not believe who he is. And because of that, everything breaks. Uh, her relationship, Adam and Eve's relationship with one another, it says that they were naked and ashamed, and they hid from one another, and they hid from God. And so what you see here is our relationship, sin, these consequences, our broken relationship with one another and broken relationship with God and the whole world is in disorder now. It's where it all went down. And it's this sin that we talk about, which I think sin can be a hard word for a lot of people, but basically we're just saying, disobeying what God has asked us to do, going apart from him. It's the sin that prevents us from this relationship with God that we were created for. And some of you, you know, we, like, I will say we were born with sin, that we now, because of what happened back then, that we today are born with sin. And I think this is true, and if you're skeptical, I need a little participation with you here. So this white paper that's in your lap, how many of you, the minute I told you that I didn't want you to open it, immediately wanted to open it? Could I get a raise of hands? Right. Good. Um, second question, how many of you opened it up and looked at it? Go ahead and just be honest. There's our sinners. Good to see you all. <laughs> Don't worry, you're not all off the hook yet. The first group was sinners too, by the way. Third group here, how many of you didn't open the paper? And you watched the person next to you open it up, and you judged them, and you thought, man, I am so much morally better than that person next to me. Go ahead and raise your hand. The self-righteous sinners of the group, everyone. We're all sinners. You get to be a sinner. You it's all out of hand. It's a serious thing. Here's the deal, guys. We are all 
We are all plagued with sin. Isn't it weird that that's our inclination? Was that piece of paper particularly desirable to you? Was it that nice of a piece of paper? It's not. I trust me. I cut them and fold them myself, and I'm terrible at details. It was not a, an alluring piece of paper. But what made you want to open it? Because I told you not to, right? Because there's this desire in our heart to disobey. And it all started from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, that first sin. And we all experience it today. We are all sinful. And because of that, it says, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it says that the wages of sin, what we've earned from that sin, is separation from the God we were created for. The world was broken by sin, and we are disconnected from God and one another. And we can see the ravages of sin in our world. And I'm just going to give you a few examples of how sin is, bro how it is broken in our hearts and how it's broken in the world we live in. So these are just real-life examples of how we see that. How about loneliness? Anyone experience loneliness this week? My guess is yes. And loneliness is the result of a broken relationship with God and others. Maybe your roommate didn't show up and you've been eating meals alone. Maybe college isn't what you thought it would be. Maybe you're reeling from a recent breakup and you feel alone and rejected and unwanted. How about racism? The overt racism we see in Charlottesville, that was terrible and devastating. And I think we would all say, yeah, that's bad, but there's also the racism in our own hearts and the brokenness of um, talking with my friends who say they're, they're worried that the people sitting next to them in their class secretly hate them because of the color of their skin. That's brokenness and sin. Sin is watching a parent battle against cancer in a place we were not created to die. Sin has broken the world. The brokenness we see it in um, maybe make the choices you've made this week. Maybe you came here promising yourself that you would never, ever, ever do that thing. And then the first week, you've already done the thing that you promised and said you would never do. And you're feeling hurt, and you're feeling worthless, and you're feeling, yeah, unforgivable. Or even, I think, this one hits close to home, the, the, the loss of Zachary Hollywood this week. The basketball team and his friends and family, I'm sure, are mourning and grieving because it's not supposed to be this way. And maybe for some of you, you've lost a loved one to suicide. And seeing this happen has brought up feelings in your own heart. Or maybe some of you have been personally struggling with suicide ideation. You've attempted suicide. And, and seeing this, um, you have the same questions of wondering, is my life really worth living? We experience the brokenness of sin every single day. It affects our whole world. It affects us to the core. And we know that something's not right. We know that something has to change. In my own life, it's easy for me to believe that I have no worth at all because the people who were supposed to speak worth into my life at a young age instead brought verbal abuse and uh, weren't present. And so I've, we all have experienced it. This is how I experience it and a lot of other ways too. But I personally, when, how do we look to success, achievement, academics, leadership roles, friendships, relationships with guys, alcohol, all hoping that it would give me some sense of worth, that it would fill this void or soothe the pain of my aching soul. 
And I hoped that, that somehow this emptiness I feel would be gone if I just looked at these things, if I just did more, if I just did more. So the question is, what do we do? Because to be honest, I keep looking to those things, but none of them quite fix it. It's still there, and it still runs deep. And so what do we do? How is this brokenness fixed? What do we do with sin that breaks our relationship with God and others in the world that we live in? Well, we can't fix it. But the good news is, God can, and he's doing it. See, here's what God did. Because we, we couldn't get back into this relationship with God that we were created for. And so what he did, see in John 3, 16, it says that God, sent, God so loved the world, that he loves you so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That what God did is said, you know what, this world is broken, and I'm going to send my own son to come and redeem and save this world. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What it's saying is Jesus took all of the sin of the world, all of the pain, all of the grief, and on a cross, he died for each and every one of those sins. He did that so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be set free from these sins. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus wants to offer you abundant, lasting life. And John 17.3 says that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Knowing God is where true life is found because knowing God is what we are created for. We were created for this relationship with the God of the universe. And sin kept us and broke us from that, but Jesus has come to restore us into this relationship once again. But how? How can we be restored into this relationship with Christ? It's through Jesus alone. John 1.12 says, To all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives them the right to become children of God. If we believe in Jesus and receive him, we will be his children. We will be restored. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, not by works, so that no one boogos. It's a gift of God. Um, so God is offering us this free gift, and this is a relationship with him. He offers us a restored relationship with the God of the universe. Not only just a God who loves, but a God whose actual being is love. The God is love. God is peace. He is good. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sufficient, eternal, never-changing, good shepherd who will never leave you or forsake you. A relationship with that God, and it's unlike any other relationship you will ever have in your life. Now, some of you hear that, and you look at the world around you, and you say, that's really nice, but how can a loving God let all of these bad things happen to me? How can he stand by and let that happen? And I know if you're alive, you've probably asked that question at some point. I know I have. And, and I can't fully give you all the answers to this. But I will share in my own experience because it's a question that I've wrestled with. Because there have been some abuses that have happened in my past that have caused me to question, God, why didn't you just stop that from happening? You could, so why didn't you? And I think as I've processed more and more through that, I realize I've been misunderstanding what God is like. Because I kind of picture God as this security camera in the corner who, with no emotion, just observes everything that happens. But that's not who he is. He's the God that sees us in our hurt and our despair, and he enters in 
and meets us where we're at. Jesus came down from heaven to walk among us, to live among us, to enter into our, our hurt and our pains and our grief. And actually, Isaiah 53 says that he bore our griefs and our sorrows. He also bore our sin, but he also took on all of the ways that people have sinned against us. Can you imagine that shame and that hurt and that guilt all poured onto you? The world, the whole world's shame and guilt and grief and sorrow on one person. And the crazy part of this is it's the only person who didn't deserve it, who did nothing wrong, not once. He was perfect, completely blameless, and he took all the blame. And why would he do that? Why would he choose to enter into our pain? Because he loves you. And so when I ask the question, why would God let that happen to me? I think the better question is, why would God let his own son take all that on? The only one who didn't do it, the biggest tragedy that's ever happened, the biggest injustice that has ever happened was on the cross. And God let that happen so that you could be his again. So if you ever question whether God loves you, why he lets things happen, you may not know the whole, you may not know it all now, but you have to know that he loves you enough to give his life for you. And there's nothing that can separate you from that love if you believe in him. And so, if you have, you, I want to let you know, you can have a relationship with this God. And it sounds insane, but you can know that he's there in the midst of loneliness. That he'll never leave you or forsake you. You can know that your life has meaning because he gave it to you. The God of the universe gave you life. He created you specifically. You can know that you're worth something because worth is determined by how much someone is willing to pay for something. And he paid his life for you. He brings comfort and peace. But most importantly, he gives us himself. And on top of that, he gives us one another. That we get to be in community with other people to remind each other of how good God is and help each other live out this life and be his hands and his feet. So some of you tonight... Well, actually, I'm going to ask you a question. This is what I'm going to do. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Do you believe in this Jesus that I'm talking about? And some of you do. And to that, I say, praise God. My hope is that you will know him more and more and that you will help others experience him. But some of you, you're not quite sure what you think. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think one talk is going to be compelling enough for you to change your whole belief system, and that's okay but I want to encourage you to stick around because there's just one thing you need to figure out, and that is who is Jesus? Because Jesus changes everything. So stick around. And if you want to talk to someone more about Jesus and figure out things, there's actually a place on that blue card that you can uh, write down your information, and we'll have someone follow up and personally talk with you more. But there might be some of you who are ready to start this tonight. And I want to invite, I'm going to offer you, you can invite him to be your Lord and Savior tonight. All you need to do is tell him that you believe that he is the son of God. Confess your need for him and ask him to come and to be your Lord and Savior. And you can know that he will come in and, and he will be his forever. And so you can pray and ask him into your heart tonight. Well, I want to close tonight by telling you a story of a friend of mine named Natalie. Well, Natalie came to Ball State just a few years ago. She's this cute little bubbly girl, basically a painted-on smile, but Natalie came in with a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. So her parents, they had um, gotten a divorce when she was in middle school or high school. And to kind of deal with it, they kind of went wild on their own and kind of left her by herself. And she realized that the only way she could get their attention 
was to be in crisis. And she learned this really on that the only time her parents really paid attention to her was when she was in crisis. So she st it started with cutting, and that progressed into a pretty all-consuming eating disorder. She was in and out of clinics. And that's when she came to Ball State. And, you know, we would sit down and we'd talk about God and her belief in her, him. And she would say, you know, like, I don't feel like my parents love me. I don't love me. So how in the world could a God love me? And she uh, one day pulled up her arm. And she showed me that she had cut the word worthless into her arm over and over and over again because she wanted what was on the inside to, to appear on the outside so that everyone could see it, so that she would know. And uh, she ended up having to leave Ball State and um, go get some uh, help. And one day I was scrolling through Facebook, and this, I mean, this broke my heart because she, she was so lovable. And just to see that she didn't understand the worth that she had in Jesus. And I wanted her to get it, but she just didn't have eyes to see then. But eventually, God got a hold of her heart. And I was scrolling through Facebook one day, and I saw this tattoo. And it was in her Facebook feed. And right over where the words worthless were once written in her skin, she now has the word worthy. See, she came to know Christ, and he transformed her life. And again, what was on the inside, this worth that she found in Jesus, was now displayed on the outside the way it should be. And this is what Jesus does. He changes us and he gives us worth. She learned that there is a God who shed his blood for her on the cross. A God who brought her and bought her and made her his own. Again, I'm going to say it again. We determine worth by what somebody is willing to pay for someone. And Jesus paid his life for you. And so this heart change that happened is now outwardly displayed. And this is what Jesus does. So for any of you tonight who feel unworthy who feel unloved, who feel like you don't belong, look to Jesus. He has come for you, and he wants you, and he loves you, and he gave his life for you. And so actually that piece of paper I gave you is a scripture I want you to look at and read and meditate on. And actually, um, just throughout the week, read it. Pull it out and read it, because it's a beautiful picture that, yeah, that in Christ we are a new creation. The old has come. The old has gone, the new has come. And it ends, it's just a really good scripture, so keep it. But um, before the band comes up, we're going to have a couple of things. I'm going to show you a video that I think does what I was trying to do tonight in four minutes in a really, like, a better way. But um, just reminds us of who God is and what he's done. And then we're going to hear a life change story from um, one of our students. So I'm going to pray, and uh, we'll watch the video. So Father, thank you so much for the ability to speak tonight. God, I pray that you would help us know how much you love us and how much you care for us. God, I pray that we would... Um, be yours. God, I pray that you would be moving in our hearts and helping us know and love you more and know that, God, that you love us enough that you would give your life for us. And so I, I pray that our lives, that we would give them to you, Father. We would let you have what is rightfully yours. I pray these things in your name. Amen.